Welcome to the Manor. Welcome back to the Twin Terrors Macabre Manor. Me, Metal and Mayhem. I'm James. And I'm Jody. And welcome to what would have been the 100th anniversary, 100th anniversary, <laughs> 100th episode of the Heavy Metal and Hard Rock History Podcast. Ex ex except we changed what we were doing and renamed it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably good. <laughs> <laughs> if you listen to the initial introductory episode, yeah, it was tough trying to get all the exact notes for what we were doing. Oh, God. <laughs> so much easier to occasionally go, let's do this stupid thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but I think to give you a taste, uh, um... <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's, our, it's our 100th anniversary. 100th. Damn it, you fucking <laughs> bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel so bad now. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Where did my notes go? I mean, maybe if we ever do we get to become vampires or likes or raves or something, but <laughs> yeah. we'll be here in a hundred years. Yeah. And you'll be like Beethoven, decomposing. Beethoven. <laughs> <laughs> Party on, dude. <laughs> <sighs> oh, hey, yeah, that third movie's coming out. Well, uh, it should be, but with the whole COVID thing right now, who knows if it'll be knocked back uh, half a year a year. Yeah, that's true. Well, I don't, I don't think it was supposed to be out till like August or something, so we'll, we'll see. Yep, never know. Oh, so I have notes here in front of me for our, our podcast, dated 2018, June 27th. Yes. And that's <laughs> so, yeah, actually, that was only a few months before we actually gears yeah yeah because once we changed gears it just kind of went yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or as i told the girl i'm not gonna say anything about snowballs never mind <laughs> um uh, come here kiss me no i'll pass <laughs> as, as long as it's not a dirty snowball i guess you're okay <laughs> uh, move, moving on <laughs> Which is a drink. What, what, I'm, I'm excited about my beer. I'm not going to ask you. I'm going to just tell you what mine is, and then I'll ask you what yours is. I'm going to go first. Is that okay? Can I go first? Can I go first? Can I go first? No. I'm going to go first. <laughs> I, I figured. <laughs> so amazingly, I actually bought this bottle of beer just about a month after the podcast notes that I just mentioned. It's been in my fridge since August 2018. <laughs> oh, shit. But, but it's okay. It is a... 16% Belgian quad aged in bourbon barrels, Buffalo Trace bourbon barrels from Triton oh. Brewing. And it is called Batch 1000. So I'm having their 1000th batch as we record our 100th motherfucking episode. <laughs> nice. Oh, nice. You know, it's gorgeous. It's oh, so, so deep, ruby red, brown, light, fringy. I poured it right before we started and I could smell the esters from the Belgian yeast and, and the Buffalo bourbon trace barrel and, and holy and shit. <laughs> and, and I was going to say, and he's stopping to take a sip. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's so good. Yeah. 22 ounces of 16%. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> As I looked through my notes, I realized I have a big chunk of the last bit. <laughs> oh boy. We'll see where I'm at at that point. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm actually, I, I'm not drinking uh, a beer. <laughs> no, boo! Hey, 
I don't know. What do we need to water or coke? Uh, water. Oh, okay. Oh, oh I could have. I could have had. Yeah, I got cherry coke down there. I could have had cherry coke. Hey, you know, the thing is, we like to drink, but we we don't feel the need to necessarily drink all the time. Right. Well, and the thing was, I, I, I didn't see James's text about recording tonight until about an hour after he sent it. <laughs> as, as I was on my way downstairs to fix my supper, <laughs> and uh, uh, at which point I had already gotten out a, a can of Upland Brewing Company's Campside Pale Ale. I, I was drinking that with my supper, so I've, oh, cool. I've had my beer. So yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, it's it's good. I gave it a four point on the on the beer app that we use <laughs> <laughs> that's uh out of five right yeah yeah four out of five so yeah it's campside what is it campside uh just campside pale ale campside pale ale doodah <laughs> all right then yeah um one of the differences uh that will probably occur is we were actually going to do it more of a straight type of podcast with, with actually just talking about it and not a lot of stupid jokey interruptions right yeah, and, and as, as a timeline, we were going to try to, I don't know, fit like half a year into each episode and or, or as much as we could because I kind of, <laughs> I, I think I think we were expecting as we got closer to and more into the metal stuff that it was going to, yeah, take up more time each episode. Yeah, I think, uh, well, 64 we had down for two, two episodes and I think we had the notes up through 67 or 68 yeah. and we were even then starting to cut them into thirds and fourths. Yeah. Uh, we were we were going to start with 1964, and why 1964, Jody? Because we, we could have picked you know uh, several years, but we kind of kind of figured 1964 was a good place to start because that's when the British invasion musically happened. Um, you know, the Beatles, the Stones, the Who, the Kinks, all those bands, and and we'll talk about them because we're going to kind of go through some of our notes here. Um, <laughs> that's that's when all that stuff hit the U.S. shores and became what they called the British invasion. And that's when a lot of the stuff that we talk about when we talk about metal, uh, the, the stuff that we talk about when we talk about the distortion and power chords and stuff like that, that's when a lot of that stuff becomes popular is 1964. So we kind of thought, you know, we could have started in the 50s with Chuck Berry or Elvis and, you know, those guys or hell, we could have gone back to the 20s and 30s and talked about the blues artists but you know we just kind of thought 64 is a good year because you had a lot going on and it wasn't just the music that we were going to talk about as you're going to see we're going to talk about historical stuff that was going on do you do you mean context context <laughs> ah context you taste beautiful tonight <laughs> <laughs> and and the reason for that kind of was to keep everything in perspective you know because you don't always stop and think that what was going on when the Beatles performed on the Sullivan show well this other stuff was going on you know you, you kind of you hear about this one event and then you hear about this other event but you don't put them together as occurring close to each other sometimes you know yeah, it kind of it kind of cool. gets compartmentalized and you kind of separate it out and you I we, we just kind of thought that you know if we did it this way it would give like, like James said, context. <laughs> Damn it, you said it again. <laughs> yeah, uh, before I, I take my drink, as we record this, the previous Friday was uh, re we released the HP Lovecraft, our favorite stories yes. episode. And that, that's where we were talking about Albert Einstein and the atomic bomb. All <laughs> that was happening at the time. HP Lovecraft wrote At Least Dreams of the Witch House. And then, I mean, that whole time frame, all the yeah. stories. Because you don't yeah. think all those spooky-ass stories are the same time as 
Project Manhattan. Right. Yeah. But they were. Yeah. I, and uh, speaking of uh, the podcast episode coming out, I checked uh, our, our hosting site, and we've had a download in, um, um, and I'm going to mispronounce it, is it Bhutan? Bhutan? I don't know. I've heard both. And yeah, it's but it's it's kind of situated there in between India and China. It's a really small country, landlocked, uh, mostly mountainous. And uh, yeah, we've had a download there. So to uh, whoever downloaded that, and hopefully we'll be downloading other episodes. Thanks. Sweet. <laughs> Keep listening. <laughs> That's right. Sweet. Iron Maiden. Kiss. <laughs> Deep purple. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, moving on. Damn yes. it! Yeah. <laughs> um, I do. We want to. Do we want to? Do we want to? Do we want to start? I think we should start. In fact, we did because the first note is why 1964. Yeah, and Jody has answered yes. that amazingly. Yes. So, um, this is what the heavy metal and hard rock history podcast was going to sound like. <laughs> um, some pre 1964 notes. Um, Don Arden, father of Sharon Osbourne, which makes him father-in-law of Ozzy Osbourne been an entertainer in England, mostly a singer. When he had, uh, when he started hearing about this new thing coming from the U.S. called rock and roll, he start, he kind of saw the writing on the wall, realized his type of entertaining was going to suffer, and decided to get out of performing and become a manager and agent. He was responsible for bringing many American rock acts over into England uh, in the late 1950s and early 1960s. So and, whatever you think of him, that, that actually was great because that's yes. what started, you know, Zeppelin and, and Cream yeah. and, and Well he he takes he takes credit for getting Little Richard back to performing rock and roll after Rich after Little Richard had given it up and, and had uh, become a preacher and was performing gospel. He booked him for a tour of the UK and told him that it was contingent on him only playing the rock and roll stuff that he'd been famous for <laughs> and Richard didn't want to do it. But once he got the first show out of his system, you know, according to Don Arden, it's that's credit to him. So um, anyway, uh, late 1963, again, right, right before we get into 1964, William and Margaret Young immigrate from Glasgow, Scotland to Australia with seven of their eight children. Their three youngest sons are named George, Malcolm and Angus. I, I thought you were going to say George, Paul, John, and Ringo for a second. No, that would be four, not three. And oh, <laughs> no. uh, 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 three young. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I know. I know who they are. Are you? Are you waiting? Um, are you I, waiting for me to make a sweet joke? No. AC, DC, she got some other woman as well as me. Uh, yes. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Did you have more on? Oh, did you have more on the Youngs? Um, I did not. So that that's that. That's that, and we're going to move to January first, nineteen sixty-four. Woohoo! Yay! We're top of the pops premieres on BBC Television. All right. Yeah. On January third, Jack Parr airs Beatles concert footages as a joke, then was watched by over thirty million viewers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who's the, who's the joke on now? Jack yeah, Parr. yeah. Jack Parr. He was a he was a he was an entertainer here in the states. You know, he was he was one of these guys that kind of made fun of younger generations. <laughs> yeah, he didn't think they were on par with him. Bazinga. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. On uh, on January eighth of nineteen sixty four, <laughs> President Lyndon Johnson declares the war on poverty. This was a uh, I look. I guess it was kind of a policy thing. They were you know. Uh, 
people out of poverty and move them up to the middle class kind of thing. And I, it was, it was a good idea and I, I'm sure it did help some people, but um, I, I don't think we won the war. Well, no, no, <laughs> no. great idea. Nice try. Yeah. And, and this, again, you know, this was January, 1964. This is what two, less than two months, like January 8th, less than two months removed from the Kennedy assassination. That was November 22nd, 1963. I never remember the, uh, the day. Yeah. I just know it's yeah. November. It was, it's, it's around, it was around Thanksgiving. So I think it was, I think it was like 22nd. I don't know. For some reason, 22nd sticks out in my head. So. I, I was going to make rude comments about the number 22. So instead, I'm going to go to some place where rude comments happened all the time. <laughs> and that would be January 16, 1964. The Whiskey opens on the Sunset Strip in L.A. Uh-huh. A nightclub that will become a major venue and launching the careers of many notable bands for the next several decades. Yep. My, my notes actually say the Whiskey a go, and I know that's not right. <laughs> Yeah, I know it's the whiskey a go go. I'm go-go. looking at the same thing. I was I was waiting for you to give the full thing there. And anyway, that's <laughs> on a roll. <laughs> That's better than being on a biscuit, which goes good with rye, which is a type of whiskey. There you go. On February seventh, <laughs> the Beatles arrive at JFK International Airport for um, to an estimated four thousand screaming fans. Woo! Yeah. Woo! Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, yes. You're welcome even less. <laughs> uh, prior to this, Capitol Records, owned by EMI, which was the Beatles record label in the UK, um, so Capitol would have been their American distributor, uh, they had refused to release any of the Beatles' singles in the U.S. They, along with the U.S. press, considered rock and roll a dying fad that had peaked in the 50s and that Beatlemania was just some British eccentricity. American rock and roll at this point had suffered severely. Elvis had been drafted in 1958. When he got out of the army, he started making movies. Lemonade, that cool, refreshing drink. <laughs> Elvis, we got to win this race. We got to win this race. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, uh, Chuck Berry, uh, his popularity had declined due to legal troubles involving an underage girl. Jerry Lee Lewis had a similar drop in popularity when it was revealed his third wife was his 13-year-old first cousin, once removed. So see, it's like second cousins. This is not so bad. Right. Um, little Richard, uh, like I said earlier, had, uh, he'd abandoned rock and roll to become a preacher, uh, studied theology at Oakwood University, which is here in Huntsville, Alabama, where I currently live as we are recording this. Carl Perkins, uh, who had recorded at Sun Records with Elvis, he, he started to go more in a country direction. It should be noted, however, that this period did see the continued success of Bo Diddley, Bo's awesome, um, and Roy Orbison, who's also awesome. And Roy's who awesome. Had, yeah, Roy's awesome. Uh, had, also, had also recorded at Sun Records with Elvis and Carl Perkins. And the Beach Boys had been very popular uh, for a few years at this point. That is correct. So it's not like rock and roll had completely gone away in, in the U.S., but pop had become, you know, more of the thing. So, yeah, there's always pop music. Yeah, I guess uh, in the '50s, rock might have been considered the pop of the time. So, well, you know, what are you gonna... it, I, I mean, it, it you went from having Elvis to Pat Boone. See, <laughs> I'm trying to enjoy my beer, not throw it back up. Oh, hey, but then you get to enjoy it twice. <laughs> not so much. <laughs> did, did I ever tell you? Speaking of Roy Orbison. Um, so, of course, when I was in high school, 
I played guitar at the guitar mass once a month at my Catholic church because it made my mom happy and what the hell. Yeah. The, uh, the week Roy Orbison died, I always got to play a little song during communion when everybody's going up and getting, uh, okay, I, I won't get theological or blasphemous, I'll just say during communion. <laughs> um, and uh, so that week Roy had passed away, I actually played uh, Pretty Woman. Oh, nice. It's uh, one of the few times I actually played a rock song that both most people knew and also did not get me into trouble. <laughs> yeah, I still like the story of you starting to play Crazy Train. <laughs> oh, I didn't start. I played Crazy Train. Well, that's what I mean. That's, yeah. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I, I do remember um, getting ready for school that morning when uh, they came on WZZQ and said that Roy Orbison had died. Yeah. So that was that sucked. Roy was, Roy was awesome. Was first song I played with uh, the guys in high school before you were part of the band. That just the three of us was mm -hmm. um, uh, it's Van Halen's version, but it was Pretty Woman. Yeah. Anyway, February 9th, two days later, the Beatles' first performance on the Ed Sullivan Show. Yeah, it's Ed had seen the fan reaction in England. He had been at Heathrow Airport when the band happened to be returning from a trip to Stockholm, Sweden, and he noticed the similarities to Elvis Mania a decade earlier, and approached Brian Epstein about having them appear on a show. And Brian Epstein, of course, was their their uh, their manager. We didn't, we didn't put that in our notes. <laughs> we didn't. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, I knew that, and you knew that. Yeah. But I mean, a long time that he had a a lot to do with the Beatles. Yeah. Uh, among those viewing the performance on the Ed Sullivan Show was a teenager named Eugene Klein, uh, who had been born uh, Kyam Witz, uh, and I know I mispronounced Kyam, and and, and, and apologies. <laughs> it's okay, Kyam. Uh, yeah. Um, anyway, he he was uh, originally from uh, Haifa, Israel. Uh, he would later change his name to Gene Simmons as an homage to 1950s rock act Jumpin' Gene Simmons, who had a, I don't know how big of a hit, but this somewhat of a hit with a song called Haunted House that, that I listen to every year around Halloween. <laughs> According to uh, Gene's autobiography, his initial reaction was less than enthusiastic until his mother walked into the room and said they looked ridiculous, to which Gene replied, no, mom, I think they look cool. <laughs> <laughs> he was, and, and you got to remember, I mean, if you, if you don't already know this about Gene, Gene idolized his mom. So for him to, to, to even, con, con, that, so for him to even consider what I'm about to, to read, it probably took a lot. He was suddenly enamored with the idea of being a little rebellious and liking something his mother didn't. <laughs> this idea was also expressed by Andrew J. Edelstein in his book, The Pop 60s, where he described a similar initial reaction. His conversion didn't begin to take place until the next day, however, as his teacher asked how many in the class had watched the show the night before, and he realized that his disdain was similar to that of his father and teacher. That's when my feelings about the Beatles began to change, aided by this elaborate theory devised for watching teenagers on TV. Namely, that anyone who could get a negative reaction from an adult had to, by definition, be cool. <laughs> <That's> kind of true. <laughs> yeah. Um, also viewing the show that night was 12-year-old Stanley Eisen, better known today as Paul Stanley. His reaction, I can do that. I can touch that nerve. I had never played guitar in my life. And I certainly had never written a song. And yet, this was my ticket out. 
and by ticket out, Paul is referring to his own private hell. <laughs> he was he was very insecure growing up, and and, and I've mentioned him uh, an episode that may not be out yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna read this anyway. Um, I. Uh, he, Paul was born with a condition called microtia, and a result of that, he had a deformed ear, uh, which he was taunted and picked on or, or bullied for. And uh, Don Arden, um, who you know had seen the Beatles come up because he was already in England, um, the success of the Beatles didn't just change the face of the music business; it changed the way people lived their lives. Everybody's hair grew longer, and their clothes changed too. The success of the Beatles changed the way people were thinking. I uh, I remember an old Archie comic because my dad mm-hmm. collected those. Yeah. And Archie was supposed to go pick up this real famous band, and he goes in his jolly with Jughead, mm-hmm. and he just sees the back of these people, and he leaves and goes and says uh, they weren't there; they're just girls waiting for him. But then it shows the last panel is showing the face, and they're like Beatles, and they just have enough long hair. And <laughs> <laughs> and you gotta you gotta remember. They still dressed in suits, and their hair wasn't there that long by today's standards. No, it was like a mop top. It's, yeah, yeah, it was kind of shaggy, but not, you know, it was it wasn't a buzz cut, which no. was what a lot of guys had. Probably not much longer than what I have going on right now, because I can't get out and go get my hair cut. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's that's why I leave my hair long, so I don't have to get it cut. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 why. Sure, that's the only reason. <laughs> Yeah, that's 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 one reason. Oh, <laughs> uh, anyway, during during this episode, <laughs> yeah, 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 the first one, first episode, episode, this is a Nabito's episode, <laughs> drew seventy three million viewers, which at the time of the American population that was thirty eight percent of it. Yep. And during a year where over ninety uh, percent of Americans had a television, so you know this is long enough away. This isn't a happy days. A bit later, mm-hmm. most people had a television, but yeah. Well over a third of the population actually tuned in. Yeah. At a 8.04 Eastern, ladies and gentlemen, the Beatles was heard. Mm-hmm. And they played All My Lovin' Till There Was You from The Music Man. Then She Loves You for a total running time of 2 minutes, 16 seconds. But then, yeah, followed by Anderson Pain Reliever commercial and Fred Craps. Craps. <laughs> Fed Craps. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Fed Craps Out Money. No, I'm uh, sorry. <laughs> Fred Caps the Magician. <laughs> and their second set consisted of I saw her standing there. I want to hold your hand and she loves you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, in addition to this show, the band also appeared the following week from Florida, at which time they met with boxer Cassius Clay, who would later change his name and be better known as Muhammad Ali. Gonna float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. I'm gonna rope a dope, George Foreman. He did. <laughs> do you know what that actually means rope-a-dope um i i know what the strategy was yeah yeah that's it just let george yeah. spin all of his energy and he would lean back into the ropes and yeah kind of take it easy and then and beat the crap <laughs> it was just pretty much what he did well i think foreman screwed up not going to the head as often as he could <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh, i actually have an extra note in here jody may not have in his notes huh okay i'm gonna, gonna point out because it's in ink i've written it in um, Bastard. Well, you may have it. I don't know. I mean, I say I, I, I don't. I don't know. Right. But uh, February 12th, Gerald Gardner dies, and he's famous for, well, Wiccan, neo-pagan type of things. Um, and I'm sure we'll mention him in some episodes sooner or later. 
Oh yeah, Gardnerian Wicca. Yeah. Or what? Yeah, is that it? Yeah, Gardnerian. Yep, Gardnerian yeah. Wicca. And just wanted to put that in there. Okay. No. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. Then we're gonna jump forward about a month and a half. All right. Because nothing happens between February 12th and March 28th. Just bullshit. Usual crap. Yeah. People die. People born. People fuck. You know. Not in that order all the time. Although it almost happened to me that one time. Her husband came home early. <clears throat> March 28th. <laughs> Radio Caroline becomes the UK's first pirate radio station. It was founded by Irishman Ronan O'Reilly, pronounced more like O'Reilly. He convinced George Lazenby to give up James Bond role after his one appearance in 1969's on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Aww. Which was, I mean, awesome be, for those of you who, who like uh, what's his nut. Um, Roger Moore. More or less. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I got it in there. <laughs> And he's also the grandson of Irish Republican and nationalist Michael O'Reilly, the O'Reilly of the Easter Uprising. Woo! Yay! Uh, started the pirate station because the record industry, including BBC Radio, was dominated by EMI and DECA, so no independent labels could get airtime. Radio Caroline actually never became illegal, although it was illegal for British subjects to be associated with it after the Marine Offenses Act of 1967. And yes, it was named after Caroline Kennedy, daughter of John F. Kennedy, who had just been shot in November 1963. And I don't have the day on there, just the month and the year. Um, I'm, I'm still thinking it was the 22nd. I could be wrong. <laughs> no, no, I think you're right. If you take the square root of two and multiply it by the number of inches that I have going on in my groinal region, I, I think that's how I remembered it when I passed my test in high school. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was trying to avoid earlier, but hey, look, it came back around. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> I just looked it up. November 22nd, 1963. Kudos to you. Good job, man. That's uh, impressive. Could, could be because there's a Stephen King book, I think, called 1122 or something like that that was about to, I don't know. Anyway. Hey, <laughs> the fact that you're literate and read books means you knew a fact. <laughs> Woohoo! I know things. <laughs> That's what I do. I drink and I know things. <laughs> Never said they were important things. <laughs> Just things. <laughs> Just things. <laughs> anyway, uh, moving on. I'll drink after I read this paragraph. Yes. The Rolling Stones released their self-titled debut April 16th. It's comprised mostly of American blues tunes because as we have talked and will talk when Clapton, Stones, stuff, you know. Yeah. Zeppelin. That's what we do. We we talk about English musicians stealing American blues artist songs. <laughs> yeah, but by this time, the Stones had begun touring Britain, giving up their residency at the Crawdaddy Club, and this void was filled by the Yardbirds. Yep. Which you'll notice as we go through some of these, there'll be a lot of Yardbirds things. This, and that's why Jody, during the first several episodes, kept saying, we're going to do Yardbirds episodes, and we still haven't, Jody, um, my good man. <laughs> But we, anyway, we, we will. We, we, we will. <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> Although if we end up doing all of these, that'll kind of cover them. <laughs> uh, that'll do a good chunk of them, yeah. <laughs> it's not as deep as we like to go. Right. Yeah, I'm not going to touch that last line. <laughs> I actually was taking a drink, so I would not. <laughs> um, on April 20th, uh, President Lyndon Johnson and Soviet Premier Nikita Khrushchev simultaneously announced Orgasm. plans. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I read that wrong. Uh, <laughs> yes 
Yes, you did. <laughs> Go ahead. That's I'm a, sorry. That was a that was a pretty neat feat there. That's <laughs> Mutual masturbation. It's easy to have simultaneous <laughs> orgasms. <laughs> you, you fuckers who almost killed the world. <laughs> They they simultaneously announced plans to cut back on the production of nuclear weapon materials. <laughs> a little bit different than James's simultaneous orgasm. Just, just a Either way, nobody wants to touch that material. <laughs> oh, uh, a couple weeks later, on May 2nd, the first marches in the U.S. to pro protest the Vietnam War take place with the largest turnouts in New York City and San Francisco. Marches also take place in Boston, Seattle, and Madison, Wisconsin. Yes, they do. Ten days later, on May the 12th, 12 young men in New York publicly burned their draft cards to protest U.S. involvement in Vietnam. That is the first known instance of that form of protest. Yeah, I, I think we're trying to stay a little apolitical as much as we can and just kind of give the facts, so I won't right. give my viewpoint on this. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we'll just move forward to a week from that on May 19th. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, U.S. State Department announces that more than 40 hidden microphones were found in the U.S. Embassy in Moscow. Going to uh, jump ahead a little bit to June 17th, like a whole month away. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we have notes kind of oddly in here, don't we? <laughs> No, no, no! I just, I just, I just, I just thought of something. I, I'm going to throw in there after you read your note on the 17th. Okay, June 17th. Yeah. Ken Casey and his merry pranksters start their cross-country trip. Ken considered himself a link between the beat generation of the 1950s and the hippies of the 1960s, which we'll get more to in a later episode, and is actually also on the podcast idea episode lists that has the beat, Nicks, the hippies, uh, the Nature Boys sort of thing like an actual whole episode on that possibly for our normal podcast yeah the day after that on june 18th paul mccartney uh celebrated a birthday i don't know which one because i don't remember which day or which year he was born june 18th only fuckers are born on june oh um hey jody <laughs> <laughs> that's right great fuckers <laughs> Like me and Paul McCartney. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know who a great um, fucker is? That Jody. You mean he's an asshole? No. I mean he's a great fucker. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't want to brag. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me while I whip this out. Yeah, on the back. <laughs> <laughs> is that that thwapping sound I hear? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what that is. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> on June 21st, civil rights workers Michael Schwerner, uh, Andrew Goodman, and James Cheney are murdered near Philadelphia, Mississippi by local KKK members and a deputy sheriff. Who was probably who, who, also a KKK member. Uh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. He was probably also a KKK member. <laughs> well, before we start talking about how Indiana is a was and still more or less is in some places a KKK little hotbed of activity yeah i'm gonna go to the next note which actually says february question mark and i don't know why we stuck it here oh i do know why we stuck it here <laughs> <That's a two. laughs> so that's a bunch of notes so <laughs> now it makes sense hey yeah. look if you actually look through the shit you're gonna read moron <laughs> yeah yeah I, we didn't we didn't really 
go back over the notes before we started. This. We've not looked at these notes for almost a year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> so, February something something, the detours, consisting of Roger Daltrey, Pete Townsend, and John Entwistle, change their name to avoid problems with another artist, and they become The Who. Yes. No, that's... Um, this is the who. <laughs> uh, I think have I already in, in in the current version of the podcast have I already told told the joke about the, the Buck Rogers episode in the what was it late late seventies like nineteen seventy nine after Star Wars came out and was huge and everybody was trying to find a way to capitalize on Star Wars success. Um, like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> yeah, um, they kind of rebooted the Buck Rogers franchise which was funny because buck rogers was part of the inspiration for star wars so, <laughs> the mobius strip of sci-fi yes so as they get into the season there's an episode of course you know bucks uh, is a man out of time he's he's in the it's what the buck rogers in the 25th century they, they walk in and he's he's listening to some music from the late 20th century and they're like what is that because you know, it was really loud and he's like that's rolling stones the who no that was a different band <laughs> i love that joke that's, it's a great joke and, and he probably thought it was hilarious and everybody else was like what yeah <laughs> anyway uh, april yeah. something something keith moon joins the who uh-huh manager pete meaden renamed the group the high numbers and they started to develop them as a mod act, which is another possible episode sometime. Yeah, mod was a, uh, it was a subculture in the UK and somewhat in the US, but not quite as popular here. Yeah, much more in the UK, correct. Yeah, yeah. Uh, had uh, clothing, music, yeah. Um, but anyway, after their single Zoot Suit, uh, I'm the Face, failed to chart, they changed their name back to The Who. I think that was a wise decision. I, I do too. In June... Um, something something. We don't, know, we don't know the exact date. Uh, the the aforementioned Pete Townsend. Actually, <laughs> Bastard. <laughs> actually, that's actually not a word in the notes. No. He just threw that in there. I think he knew the pint was right by my face, but he waited an extra second. Actually, so, no, I didn't. I was just <laughs> we were just talking about him. I figured I'd say that. Jerk. <laughs> anyway, Pete Townsend accidentally breaks the head of his guitar on the low ceiling at the uh, Railway Hotel in London. Laughter from the audience caused Townsend to smash the guitar on stage. A week later, Townsend again smashed his guitar on stage, followed by Moon knocking over the, his drums. Moon tied down his drum kit at his first gig with the band. They learned why when he did a drum solo to fill time when the power went out. <laughs> because he was that wild. Uh, this would go on to become a staple of the Who stage act. It would, and this next bit will be reminiscent of the 60s watershed moment that already came out. Yes, that was uh, one of our first episodes, and, and I think that's why it was one of our first episodes, because we had these notes. <laughs> we already had these notes, and I'll be damned if I'm not using these fucking notes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, inspiration came from Gustav Metzger's autodestructive art movement. <laughs> He gave a lecture at Ewing Art College while Townsend studied there alongside guitarist Ron Wood and singer Freddie Mercury. Uh -huh. Metzger's thing was public art for industrial societies and used amplified sound as an element of the total conception. The artwork was meant to disintegrate and be trashed after it was done, which could be on a timeline anywhere from minutes up to decades. 
some things that the Who also began incorporating into their show included Roger Daltrey swinging his microphone around like a whip, Keith Moon tossing his drumsticks into the air, and Pete Townsend windmilling his arm, holding both arms in the air while the guitar produced feedback, uh, which was a move referred to as the Birdman, and pretending to machine gun the audience with his guitar, uh, something that would be used by various later musicians, including Paul Stanley of Kiss and Steve Harris of Iron Maiden. You can't find a picture of Steve Harris without every third or more of him being in that picture. I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, especially, I know he especially does it at the end of Hallowed Be Thy Name. Further upon the art college culture, you may have heard it referred a fair bit if you're into British culture, sometimes poked at in a humorous way, and you'll hear more big names of music who went to art college in future episodes. Regarding the overall culture, though, context! Woohoo, context! I'll tell you, you're going to drink. <laughs> I did. The, uh, the culture in Britain was changing a lot at this time. It's post-World War II era, and life in Britain had started to turn around. Children of those who were born at the time of World War II weren't remembering all the issues, all the problems, the deprivations of the war era, and entertainment was starting to change. Uh, this was reflected not only in the music, such as if you read any biography of Zeppelin or Black Sabbath, you'll see what we mean, uh-huh. but by the absurdist comedy trends inspired by Monty Python, who had come along in 1969. Yes. I have almost finished up all the notes, not just for the intro, so might actually get that out sometime soon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I've got to condense it. I literally have about 200 pages of notes. <clears throat> oh. So I'm going to condense it to what is pertinent for our attitudes. That's probably a good idea. And uh, this, of course, is one of those, quote, cultural watershed moments, unquote. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of changes. Yep. See, see what we did there with our episode. <laughs> we, we expanded and expounded much more, but. <laughs> yep. Oh, hey, check this out. Another okay. trend at this time, and this goes directly back to the who we talked about, the aforementioned who <laughs> is the mod movement. <laughs> yep. Look at that. We have notes on this. Yeah. It was a subculture in the UK in the 1960s. Uh, have you seen Austin Powers movies? I have an idea of what we're talking about. Uh-huh. But it was known for its fashion, tailor-made suits, music, soul and ska, which started in Jamaica in the 1950s, and R&B, so also known for their use of motor scooters, notably the Lambretta and the Vespa. Mm-hmm. And speaking of which, anytime I hear the word Vespa, they always remind me of Vesper Lynn, the first Bond girl in the first Bond novel, Casino Royale from 1953. Mm-hmm. And that is actually, if you want to know, when Bond goes shaken not stirred that's his martini he actually concocted it in that book it's uh three measures of gordon's which is a gin mm-hmm. one of vodka half a measure of kina linnet uh, aperitif wine shake it well till it's ice cold and add a large slice of lemon peel and he named it after vesper then yeah so when you hear him in the movies go i have a martini shaken not stirred he's actually ordering a, a vesper lynn yes when i hear vesper i think of vestal virgins because I think of Vestal. I don't know why. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry. I had things to say, and it choked me up because I just watched Monty Python's Holy Grail. And now I can just think of Castle Anthrax. <laughs> First the spankings. <laughs> spank me. Oh, yes, spank me. And then the oral sex. <laughs> we come to rescue you. I think I can take them. <laughs> no, no, it's too perilous. <laughs> Let me face the barrel. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, 
I need to watch that again. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, hey, Easter's Easter's coming up. I'm going to have to watch Life of Brian. Soon. There you go. <laughs> I, I just watched it too, so I probably want to get perfect Easter watching time. Yeah. Which, you know, it is is it's kind of a best of huh? I've not quite finished my beer, but it's close. <laughs> Uh, the funny thing is, Sir Galahad is the one, I believe, to find the grail in the actual King Arthur legends, because uh-huh. he actually was pure of heart and chaste, and <laughs> he would not have been able to find the real grail had he stayed at Castle that's, that's true. <laughs> anyway, moving on, thusly, uh-huh. June 19th, the animals release House of the Rising Sun in the UK, uh, released August in the U.S. It was yeah. described as the first folk rock hit, and I wanted to mention it as folk music is one of my favorite genres, although uh, also has some of the worst artists as well. Now we've got upcoming episodes in it, but the song itself is based off a 16th century ballad, The Unfortunate Rake, and had been recorded by artists such as Woody Guthrie and Bob Dylan, but they just weren't the hits that the Animals version was, as it peaked at number one in Canada, number five in Belgium, and the Netherlands, number nine in Germany, and number 10 in Ireland. Where does it peak in the U.S.? On your mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think when I, we're, we're doing these notes, I was only going to give either the top 10 or top 20 spots. Okay. But I well, can't actually, you know. Well, actually, because it wasn't released in the U.S. yet, so what difference does it make when it, when it peaked out in the U.S. in June? That's very true. And, and I'm sure if we look, we may actually have a note in August on where it peaked in the U.S. We probably do. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you guys. <laughs> you, can, you can wait till we do the next episode of this. Yeah, which actually, that's where we were going to stop for the first half of 1964, because we were finishing up June. <laughs> Weren't you a little hard on the beaver last night? <laughs> <laughs> So when we were joke, (laughs) but yeah, that's it. That's what we had. Yep, that's what the original podcast was going to be like, with with probably less interrupting and less dirty jokes. Oh, I don't know about that. (laughs) The plan. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we we hope you enjoyed that taste of the heavy metal and hard rock history podcast. That never was. <laughs> podcast that never was. Shit. There's another good name for a podcast if we do a third thing. There you go. So, we'll be back soon with the normal <laughs> normal broadcasting. Yeah. <laughs> or, or abnormal, however you want to put it. So, okay. I'm James. I'm Jody. <laughs> we'll talk to you all later. Bye. The Macabre Manor is brought to you by the Twin Terrors. All rights reserved. Stay tuned for some fun outtakes. Thought it could hide from you. <laughs> it were green. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very little. <laughs> You're welcome even less. So do you ever get, get, get a hold of your cat's tail and smack him in the nose with it? <laughs> No, I, I don't. Smack, smack, smack. Smack, smack, smack. I, I bet he just loves that. Well, he, he has more fun trying to grab my hand. So. Oh, well, as long as he's having fun.
Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I can smell that beer from here. I mean, <laughs> I it's not, not even arm's length away. But <laughs> <laughs> and then it became young again. <laughs> like our hearts. Or at least yeah. the ones we just dug out of children's cavities and put in their closet. And glad okay. this isn't coming out for a couple <laughs> months so I can get rid of those before. <laughs> What? It wasn't his live notes. <laughs> <laughs> Not until you bastards out there start doing Patreon. <laughs> oh, maybe you should set it up, fuckers. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> yeah. Or, we'll see. You, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't know right now. <laughs> right. Wow, Damn you, New England Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> Who? First base. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was even telling somebody at work about it the other day. I mean, they looked at me like I'm an insane fucker because nobody there likes metal. But <laughs> I've, I've gotten that impression. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Ex Mortis is very death clockish. It's up to you, man. <laughs> it's the Belgian quad talking. <laughs> all right. Why are you drinking a quad? Because he likes things when they're on all fours. <laughs> 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 anyway. <laughs> nice.